I believe that this is an important message. And I believe that this is a life-changing message. Amen? I believe this can transform our lives. Amen? Amen. Acts 2.42. We've been reading it for the last couple of weeks, but I want to read it again. They. Who's the they? The church. Devoted themselves. The pastor doesn't devote you. Your wife doesn't devote you. Your son or your daughter doesn't devote you. Your parents don't devote you. What's your responsibility? You devote yourself. And what do they devote themselves to? To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. These are the four basic things that as a church, any church, we need to be devoted to. As we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, the book of Acts Church lived in revival. And this verse is describing what a community looks like when it sees God's kingdom coming on earth and the people embracing that kingdom, understanding that they are sons and daughters of the king. Do you know that you're a prince? If you're a man and you're a princess, if you're a woman, in God's kingdom. Amen. You're a royal son or daughter of God. Is that a small thing for you? I mean, I'll be honest with you. For many years of my Christian walk, I didn't know that about myself. I didn't feel that about myself. I didn't experience that. But thank God he changes our hearts. We start to see things. Amen. Amen. Now, the apostles' teaching was all about King Jesus and his word, the Bible. My friends, the Bible is not a good book. It's a divine book. Amen. It doesn't have good ideas. It's got divine ideas. Amen. It's got truth that when known will set you free. Amen. That's the apostles' teaching. Fellowship. Fellowship. Us as a community, eating together, living together, life group. So important, my friend. That you don't, don't attend church. Be a part of the church. Amen? Be committed into this community. Breaking of bread, communion. You know, we're going to do this in a, in a few moments. But why were they devoted to this? Why were they devoted to breaking bread? Do you know why? Because this shows you Jesus' devotion to you first. It was His blood that shed for you. It was His body that was broken for you. You want to know why you should give God everything? Because Jesus gave you everything. And because God gave you His Son. Communion teaches us that God was first devoted to you. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says in 1 John, we love because what? He first loved us. And now, for the last five weeks, four weeks, we've been talking about they were devoted to prayer. Now they're devoted to prayer because prayer is the means by which God's kingdom power is released to us on earth. <coughs> Have you had that revelation yet? You know, when the, does, you know, it's interesting. Tell me what's the Lord's prayer. No, that's not the Lord's prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us, Lord, how to pray. Then he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord's Prayer is not the Lord's Prayer. That's our prayer. Do you want to know what the Lord's Prayer is? The Lord's Prayer is John 17. When Jesus prays for himself, he prays for the disciples, and he prays for us, the future believers. That's the Lord's Prayer. Wow. Okay? Interesting, eh? The Lord's Prayer that you think is the Lord's Prayer, that's your prayer, Sonia. That's how you should be praying. Amen? Happy? But in, in, in Jesus, when he taught him how to pray, this is what he said. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. I was telling you something. I had some dinner with some people today, uh, this week on Tuesday night. 
rich people in there, they live in Bigfield. Um, and um, they were talking about the divine. They were talking about the energy. They were talking about God. And they're saying, now you Christians, you personalize God too much. You know? Now, I said, and I said to them, listen, the key is to understand God in His awesome glory and power and might and dominion and majesty and authority and glory. And at the same time, understand He's my Abba. He's my Daddy. He's my Father. Amen. And it's, we've got to get those, that balance. We must be familiar with God in the sense that we're comfortable with God, that we're close to God, that we know He's for us. And at the other stand, we should be like Him. Oh, you know the little kids, they said, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. My dad can do anything. You know that story with the kids, right? That's how we should be. Our Father, who art in heaven. Listen, He's on earth. He's in heaven. We're on earth. Amen. He's sovereign. There's no problems in heaven. Where are the problems? On earth. Amen. So then he says three things. Your hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. Where? Yeah. Are there any problems in heaven? No. There's no problems in heaven. That's why we need to pray. Because we need to bring heaven to earth. God's will on earth. And we need God's name to be praised here on earth as it is in heaven. This is why we need to pray. Listen to me carefully. God wants His name, His kingdom, and His will to be hallowed, to come, and to be done. Yeah! Prayer is not the end. Prayer is the means to the end. And prayer is the means to which God's will is manifest on earth. God's kingdom comes on earth and God's name is praised on earth. When God's will is done and when God's kingdom is done, God's name will be praised. Amen. 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 Prayer is not the end. It's a means to the end. You understand me? Now what is prayer in its most basic form? Just give me the simple non-religious version of prayer. What is prayer? Talking to God. It's communication with God. It's the prayer is the means by which you draw near to God and you do what? You access His presence. Prayer is the means by which you receive, listen to me, His resources, His power, and His authority so that His name can be hallowed, so that His kingdom can come, and so that His will can be done through your life. We need to learn the art and the skill of asking God about everything and inquiring about God with everything. And then you need to learn to listen. And you need to learn to see, not with, with your eyes of your heart. You know, communication is two-way, not one-way. Am I right? And I've said this, and I want to say it again. The Bible says, Jesus himself said this, My sheep, what? Know my voice. Okay. The baby here. Yeah. I need to see, man. <laughs> my sheep know my voice. If you're a sheep, you can hear the shepherd. So many people, what are they doing? They want the fundis. They want the man of God. Why? Because they want the man of God to hear from God for them. They want the man of God to tell them what to do. 
They think that the man of God is more anointed, more gifted, more blessed, more loved, more favored than they are. That's a lie. You are a son or daughter of God. You're a sheep of God. And you are loved by Him. And you've got direct access to your Father yourself. Isn't this free? And you can hear from Him. You can hear from Him. And He wants you to listen to Him. Isn't this amazing? Let me tell you something, my friends. When you start to hear God speaking to you, and you start to walk in relationship with God, your relationship with God goes from there to there. God's not a concept to you. He's a living reality. Now, what is intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer is an intense time of prayer that the Holy Spirit will lead you into. Often when you're facing a temptation or when a breakthrough is coming in your life or you're needing a breakthrough or there's going to be a significant shift in your life or on earth, in a community, in a family, in an individual's lives, God will lead that individual or that family or that business or that person, that community into prayer. Because prayer has got intercessory prayer, shift things into another level. The Lord will always look for His kingdom saints to stand in the gap and to intercede for breakthrough in a situation. It can be personal, it can be family, it can be corporate, but it's a deep time with God. Now, the Holy, part, the, the, Holy partner, the Holy Spirit is our senior partner. Amen? Yeah. What did Jesus say? He's our comforter, he's our counselor, he's our guide, he's our friend. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. And as we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and we are led by the Spirit. Now watch here, listen to this. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit, listen to this, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He who searches our own hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. And because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Amen? Let me tell you sometimes, my friends, when I can't sleep, when I'm feeling anxious, or I just, or just wake up. You know when you wake up and you just feel, ha! Ah! What do you do when you feel, ha? Ah! Do you know what I do? I get dressed. I don't care how light it is or how dark it is. I get my dogs, I get my jacket if it's winter. And I go, just like this. And I start to pray. And I start to walk. And I start to just intercede. And I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing how things just shift. Making too much. I'm not angry. I'm just Have you do you do that? You know, a lot of people I know, and I used to do this for many years. I'd be worried, pussy, that I'm in my bed. And I'm worried, but I'm not doing anything. Now I get myself by the back. I keep my backside. I get out of bed. And I don't. You must do it. You'll see a shift in your life. So the Holy Spirit will prompt us to intercede. He will move our hearts. He will put a burden on our hearts. Some, you know, guys, honestly, <laughs> sometimes he'll wake you up through a knock on the door or something. And when you wake up, you must say, Sheesh, must I be praying? Should I be waking up? A dog barking or something. Not every time is it God. But you should ask yourself if it happens, Lord, do you need me to pray? Do I need to pray for anything? Is there something you need me to do? Think of these biblical examples of intercessory prayer. I'm going to send these notes. 
Okay? Type them out beautifully, and I'm going to send them to you. In Sor- Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember the story? Hey? The city is destroyed, but Lot and his wife, Lot, Lot and his two daughters are saved. Abraham similarly intercedes when he's facing Esau on his return to the promised land. Simeon and Anna, that when Jesus was dedicated, they had been praying and interceding for the Messiah to come, and they both saw Jesus. Daniel, Daniel is such a good example of prayer. Remember when they were going to kill all the wise men because they needed the interpretation of the dream? And the dream? What does he do? He prays. He asks God. God gives him the interpretation and the dream. Daniel uh, was... Daniel. They they, they wanted to take Daniel out because they were jealous of him. So they made the king issue a decree. No one should pray except to you. Does Daniel stop praying? No. No. And what happens? You're thrown in the lion's den. But the lions don't eat him. Then the king king says, may your God protect you. They throw him in. They put him out the next day. Then they throw the guys in there. They put him in there. They all get chucked. All get eaten. Why? Intercessory prayer. Daniel intercedes for the exiles to return after seven years. And then then another time, God leads him to pray. And God shows him revelation in time's day. Jesus, John 17. He intercedes for himself, the 12 apostles, and for all of us who came after him. Can you see that there is intercession in the Bible? Can you see the need for you to intercede at times? Amen? Now, are you ready? Because I'm telling you, we're going to take a deep dive into Jesus where he intercedes in the Garden of Gethsemane. Are you ready for it? I think it's the best example of intercessory prayer we have. Now, we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to look at Peter. You know who Peter was? You know I love Peter. Do you know why I love Peter? Because I see so much of you in him. No, that's not true. I see so much of me, pretty. I think I'm just like Peter so many times. Jesus and Peter both knew something was coming. Am I right? One prays and is successful. The other sleeps and fails. Wow. Are you ready for it? Go to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read from verse 36 to 46. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went. Lord Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help your people this morning. Lord, as we read your word, and as I teach your word, and as I teach on intercessory prayer, Lord, I ask for revelation. I ask for impartation. I ask for truth to be imparted that inspires people to pray and intercede. Lord, I don't want to put people under guilt or condemnation or fear. Lord, I want to inspire them to see the power of prayer and the need for prayer. And so, Lord Jesus, help us. Lord, come against every vain thought, every imagination that wants to exalt itself above you, above your word, and above your spirit in our lives. Lord, bind and rebuke those things in Jesus' name. And Lord, inspire us to intercede and how to do it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when Jesus, then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37. He took Peter and he took two, the two sons of Zebedee. doesn't say, but that was James and John. And along with him. And he began, say began, began. To be sorrowful and troubled. I love the honesty of the Bible. Jesus 
how did he care to be sorrowful and troubled? Was he at peace? No, he was not at peace. We're going to look at it some more. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You've got to love Jesus' honesty. Eh? You know, you see most pastors, you think they're Superman bulletproof. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Eh? Yes. You don't think they ever go to the toilet? You know, angels wipe their bums. You know? Am I right? We've got this crazy notion of pastors. And the pastors are the ones that created the stupid notion. And then Jesus is not like that, thank God. He's honest, he's open, he's vulnerable, he's real. He says to these guys, he says, listen, listen. He says, please, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow unto death. Please stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus asked these guys to pray with him. Think about that. This is Jesus' close friends and he asked them to pray for him. Now my friend, next time you feel an urge to pray, you must understand, you are Jesus' friend. You are Jesus' sheep. And in that moment, Jesus is asking you to pray with him. You get this, my, my, my mate, your life will be transformed forever. Pray will move you into the next level. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father! You know what I love about Jesus? What he tells you to do, he does himself. How should we pray? My Father! What does he say? My Father! Isn't that beautiful? If possible, may this cup be taken from me. But, yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to find his disciples sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? I mean, it's quite interesting, eh? I mean, it doesn't take one hour to pray. My father, if it is possible, keep take this cup from me. Am I right? That's the summary of one hour of Jesus. Oh, God, Father, please, Lord, I don't want to die. You understand? Pouring his soul out to God. What are these oaks doing? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The body is weak. He went a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me, listen, drink it. May your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time the same thing. Then he returned and his, to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise and let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. This isn't the sorrowful Jesus. This isn't the Jesus. Oh, help me, Daddy. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, he's like, this is... I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm I've got authority. I'm ready to die well. I'm ready to do the will of God. Whatever happens. You, can you see the shift? There's something that happens there, my friends. And I want us to, that's what intercession does. It shifts the heavenlies. Now, let's look at verse 37. The Bible says that he took Peter and James and Zebedee with him, James and John. 
Jesus included the twelve and the three with him as he interceded. My friend, when you've come, come to a time of intercession, when you're in need and you need, pe- and you need to pray, what the, what's the lesson we learned from Jesus, pretty? Don't pray alone. Ask some of your friends to pray with you. The big problem in the church today is where the, we wear these religious masks. <laughs> How are you? Hallelujah, blessed thank God. Meanwhile, you've got my, no money, you're in debt, your kids come on and commit suicide, your job, you've lost your job. I'm fine, hallelujah. <laughs> and you can't tell everyone everything, I'm right, because like every time you come, people want to run away from you because they come to storm trap. No, but those you trust, those your close friends, those you're very close to, you open up to them, you're vulnerable with them. Say, come, I need you to help me. I need to pray. Stand with me. Amen? Amen. Now, this is important. Both Jesus and Peter knew, Peter knew that they were going to be sifted. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34, this is in the Last Supper. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon. Imagine, imagine if God says this to you, Peter. Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you, Peter. <laughs> oh, but, you've got to love a but, eh? Not that but, this but, okay? <laughs> I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail you. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But, Lord, he pro- replied, listen to this, Lord, I'm ready to die for you, even to go to prison. The Lord Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, three times, you will deny me. Listen to the same story in Matthew 26, verse 31 to 35. Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the flock will be scattered. Did Jesus know he was going to be struck? Yes. Yes. Did he know the twelve were going to be struck? Yes. Okay. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter replied, look at this guy. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because I'm the man of God. Can you see the arrogance? Can you see the pride? I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You little monkey. I don't know, he didn't say this, but I asked him. <laughs> but Peter declared, listen to what Peter declares. I mean, how stupid is Peter? He's arguing with Jesus. Exactly, how stupid are we? You know, God tells us things and we're like, ah, not to me. Nah, it's not going to happen to me. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Never, Lord. Now look at this. The 11 are just like Peter. And all the other disciples said the same. (laughs) Faith comes by and hearing the word of God. Had they heard the God speaking to them? Had they heard Jesus speaking to them? Did they believe his word? No. no. Why didn't they believe his word? Because they were proud and they were arrogant 
And they thought, we don't need to pray. We're strong enough. I can do it in my own strength. You don't know me, Jesus. I'm your boy. I've got your back. <laughs> You're laughing because you've done that at us. <laughs> Peter has no clue about the state of his own heart. He could see how the other 11 could leave Jesus and betray him, but not him. Peter is arguing with Jesus. Both Peter and Jesus knew what was going to happen. But Peter was trusting in his own power and his own strength, and Peter fell on his backside. Because he didn't what? Intercede. He was dossing, sleeping, when he should have been praying. He forgot Jesus' teaching about this. Take the speck out of your own, take the log out of your own eye, Peter, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's looking at this, thinking, yeah, John, yeah, John, he can easily betray Jesus. And that Judas, always worried about him. And what about that son, you know? But not me. I'm cool. Judging them. Amazing, hey? Yeah. Peter just judges the other 11, but he doesn't know his own heart's condition. Wow, it's amazing. Can you see the religious pride and arrogance? Now let's go to verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell down to his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. If not, my will be done, your will be done. Listen to this. Jesus responds by going to his Abba for help. Abba means father, daddy. To ask for help, for strength and encouragement. Listen to me. He, Jesus accesses the what? The empowering grace. grace of God. Where do we find the empowering grace? In the throne room. Prayer does what? Takes you to the throne room and gives you access to God's empowering grace. Jesus faces his troubled soul, being in anguish. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay and watch and keep watch with me. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to... How does Jesus approach his father? He approaches him honestly. He approaches him openly. He approaches him vulnerably. He approaches him transparently. He's not like Peter. Peter's lying to himself. He's lying to the other twelve, and they're lying. Am I right? Jesus is aware of himself. He's aware of his things. You know, do you pray honestly and openly to God? <coughs> do you know God knows everything about you? Hey? In other words, when you're being tempted to do something wrong, God knows. Do you tell God? Lord, I'm thinking of stealing this thing. Please help me not to. Lord, I'm thinking of lying to my boss. Please help me not to. Lord, I'm thinking of having an affair. You know how beautiful she is. But not my will be done. Your will. Help me! Save me! Deliver me! How do you pray? 
God listens to your heart. He wants open, honest, vulnerable. Immediately, even if you feel like God has let you down, you know what you should do? Hey, Father, I feel like you've let me down. I feel like you're not there. Father, where are you? Lord, come on, are you not hearing me? If you're feeling that, rather than you tell God that, and you share your heart with God, and then you say, now God, I know you're good. God, I know you're all-powerful. I know you're always there. Now you open my eyes, cut the cataract off my eyes, open my heart so that I can see you're not like this. God, I'm just telling you how I'm feeling. That's the way you should be proud. Is this helpful? This is real, my friends. This is real. Do you know when someone's talking nonsense to you? They're talking BS. Hey? How do you feel? You feel? Did you feel disrespected? Am I right? You feel like you're wasting my time, man. You think I'm that stupid that you don't know? Don't talk nonsense to God. <laughs> it is helpful, Martin. God wants reality. He wants communication. He wants your heart. He wants you to tell you like it is. He knows anyway. You see, religion, religion says, hey, God's looking for you to be a blue two shoes. And he's looking for you to say everything perfect and just perfect like this. And if you just say perfect, then you can manipulate God to give you what he wants. That's so stupid. Do you think you can manipulate God in any way? Nothing, you can't. God, it's not your prayers. It's not how you say your prayers. It's whether you're truthful and honest and real and before God. Yeah, hey, I'm killing things this morning. Destroying religious stuff in your life. God wants reality. What a contrast between Jesus and these immature baby disciples. Am I right? Now, in, it's quite interesting for me this. In John chapter 12, verse 27 to 28, this is about a month, a couple of weeks before Jesus actually goes to the cross. Listen to what he says. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. It was for this very reason I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Now, if you now this always used to puzzle me pretty. One month before Gethsemane and the cross and all of this stuff, Jesus is like, hey, my heart's troubled. What, what am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? No ways. I came for this hour. Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is pretty confident here. He's pretty upbeat about whatever he's going to do. Am I right? But now he gets close. Now it's the night before. Is he still confident? No. No, he's not. Now why is that important? It shows you that our, our relationship with God and we ourselves, we're not these static, robotic, monotone, always in control of our emotions, people that like this. No, we... <laughs> Am I right? We roller coaster up and down. Now, look, Jesus wasn't as bad as us, but I thank God this isn't a thing yet. 
You know, when you've got something coming, an exam, or you've got a big thing coming, the closer it becomes, the more anxious you get, the more you start to worry about that thing. Am I right? Thank you. That is what's what's happening here. Do you love the honesty of the Bible? Hey? Now, you see, he says he began to be deeply distressed and troubled in his soul. Now his soul, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Am I right? Your mind, you need to get your head right. You need to make sure you align your will with God's will, and you need to get your emotions what? In check. Some people are mental. Now they're not crazy, they're just too strong in their heads. Other people, they're emotional. They're too emotional. Am I right? So their will is affected by their minds, their mental, or by their emotions. Satan will use your mind or he will use your emotions to get to your will. Now what you've got to do is you've got to learn to face your will. You've got to learn to face your emotions and you've got to learn to face your mind and you've got to bring them to your dad in intercession and you've got to say, God, the Father, help me. Sort my mind, sort my emotions because I want your will to be done. That's what intercessory prayer does. Can you, is it helpful this morning? So Jesus faces this. Amen. You see, he was going into an area of conflict and temptation was coming upon him. Jesus was able to trust his father and to accept his father's will fully, no matter what. I mean, have you lived long enough to realize that you don't want your will to come all the time? I'm telling you. Huh? Often God doesn't answer your prayers because those prayers are not going to help you. And if he had to answer them, it would not be good for you. Yes? The Bible says this, that God's will for you is what? Good, perfect, and pleasing. But guess what? Just like Peter, we think we know better than God. An intercessory prayer is not about you getting God to bend His will to your will. Intercessory prayer is about you bending your will to God's will. Well, that's amazing, hey? You don't know what's best for your life. Mkulu Kulu does. Trust Him. Amen? That's what Jesus is doing. He says, Father, please, if at all possible, take it from me. There's not another way. Please, Lord. But yet not, your will be done. Now, you know, you, I want you to see something. Do you know how much God loves you? Is your name again, love? Uh, Teresa. Teresa. Yeah. I want you to see something here. I want all of us to see something here. How would you feel, Lord, if your best friends all deny you, all betray you, when you need them most? How are you going to feel? You're going to feel hurt, right? Think about the disciples treated Jesus. This is his worst night. This is his biggest night. He is most emotional, most in trouble. He brings his friends to be next to him, to help him. They all say, we're with you, we're your man. 
Talk to him. They said, we got you. Yes, they're like, yeah, we're there for you, boy. Anything you need, we're willing to die for you. Hillary, the first sign of trouble. <laughs> they drop you like a hot potato. Until they leave you. Peter, we're going to look at it just now. The servant girl says, hey, you one of them. He says, he starts swearing. Maybe he was a fisherman, they know how to swear well. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've not even ever seen you in my life. How would you feel, Teresa, if that was you? And those are your best friends. Yeah. You feel terrible. Yeah. How many of you have had that happen to you in your life? Huh? Yeah, we've all been betrayed, eh? How did you treat your friends? Cut them off. Ah, good sad, man. <laughs> Am I right? Huh? Am I right? Not Jesus. Not God. You know what Jesus does? He prays for them. He forgives them. He loves them. Let me tell you something about God. He's so wonderful, Jane. God knows you. And He knows what you are going to become. So He always deals with you based on your future, not your present. Thank you, Lord. Hey. Thank you, God. That God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Amen? He knows we are weak. So what Jesus, Jesus knows that the disciples are going to grow up. Jesus knows that they one day will face persecution and death. So he's treating them and he's dealing with them based on their future and not on their past. He knows they're going to fall now. But he knows that they've got to taste the bitterness. They've got to taste the bitterness of betrayal. He knows they've got to fail so that one day they will pass. What do you feel like when you've messed up? What do you feel like when you've let God down, Lord? You feel bad, eh, my brother? You feel bad. But what must you do? You've got to run to the arms of the loving Father. You've got to come, come, Lord. You've got to come and say, oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Like Fundani's testimony. I love your testimony, Fundani. I taught you well. Eh? <laughs> All right. Listen, my friends. When you've, when you've tuned it, when you've messed up, when you've made a mistake, yes. what must you do? Run away and say, ah, I didn't know, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> you lie. You tell some. <laughs> My friend, when you do that, what's going to happen? Oh, you're going to get a hiding and they're going to be cross with you. But when, if you make a mistake and you tell the person, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong, then there's forgiveness, then there's help. There's humility, yes. Humble yourself. Now I want to ask you this question. Matthew 26, verse 30. Now we're talking about intercession. Am I right, Martin? Whose will will win? Whose will will win? Yours or the Lord's? Now I want you to see something here. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Jesus says, if you love your life in this world, Lord, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me and for the sake of my kingdom in this life, you will gain life and life for evermore. Now I want you to see this. Your word, your will on earth, it's horizontal and it's earthly. This is your will. Alright? So this is in maths, what is this? It's a negative. Am I right? And the straight line like this is negative. Am I right? 
God's will is heavenly. It's from heaven to earth. God's will is vertical. Amen? Now, let me quickly just check here. Okay, Matthew 8, Matthew 6, 10. Your will come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done from heaven to earth. Now, when your will and His will intersect, what is there? There's a cross. And when your will will line up with heaven's will, God can take negatives and turn them into positives. But there's always a death. And across, there's always a death. Now, something always dies on a cross. Either your spirit dies and your flesh is successful, or your flesh dies and your spirit is successful. Now with Peter, what one? The flesh. The spirit was willing. Jesus says, I love this. The, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Now the, the problem with flesh wasn't weak. The flesh was too strong. Am I right? And the flesh overcame a willing spirit. And the flesh put to death the spirit. And then Peter failed. Because he wasn't doing what? Interceding. Approaching the throne room. Receiving the power and grace of God. Getting out, Martin. Jesus. My will. Your will. Not my will. Your will be done. He receives what? Power. Strength. This. Now Jesus didn't have a flesh. But Jesus' will is submitted to God's will. And what comes? The Spirit. And power. And life. You see it, Andy? The kingdom advances. Something always does. His will will win. If it is chosen and submitted to, it turns to a positive. The kingdom advances, your flesh dies, your spirit lives, and, your, and the life of God flows to you. When you lose your life, you will find it, and you will find life abundantly. Jesus and the Father brought glory and honor, and you are glorified and honored on earth. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Now I want you to see something. Check how God responds to Jesus' honest prayer. The Bible says here, where is it? Luke chapter 22, verse 43. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Wow, isn't that amazing? Hey, Haley, when you intercede like this, when you fight in your will and God's will, when you break through, what happens? God can send angelic strength. Isn't that amazing? Whoa, I love it. Now, quickly, let's move on. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had not gone through with it? God always wanted us to be his children, Teresa. And the price for us to become his children was Jesus had to die. Am I right? What's the time we need to land? She's I'm going on here. Sorry. God sends angels to strengthen and comfort him. The Father overcomes, helps Jesus to overcome. But don't be like Peter. Never, never presume on your own strength or your own ability to do the Father's will in your own strength. Always trust him and rely on his strength. 
That's what it means to live in the fear of the Lord, and that's what it means to intercede. Now, I've got a whole lot more, but that means this. Is this how the Bible promises us you'll never be tempted beyond what you can endure? He will always provide a way of escape. Jesus intercedes on your behalf, and the Father is glorified. Amen? Ah! I hope it's helpful. Jesus, with Peter with Jesus, can walk on water. Peter with Jesus can feed 5,000. Peter with Jesus, let me just quickly get it here. Yeah, can feed a multitude, get revelation from the cut people's ears off. But Peter on his own, with no presence of Jesus, cannot stand up to a little slave girl. And he denies his God. Do you, are you full of yourself? Or are you full of the Spirit? When you tempt you need to pray, you need to intercede, and you need to ask God for his help. Can we do communion? Is that okay, Tim? Let's just hand it out. Now, okay, I did say it. While they're handing that out, let me talk to you about this. This is what had to happen to Jesus' will. And intercession, what happens to your will? It's broken. Why? So that your negative will can be turned into God's positive will. Now listen. You're always going to die. I don't know if you realize this. Look at me. You've got the two most powerful beings in the universe trying to kill you. Satan and God. Okay? Am I right, Zoe? Satan comes to what? Rob still kill and destroy. So he wants to kill you so that you can be annihilated. But God wants to kill you so that you can live. So that you can experience his life and life abundantly. Say again? He wants you to die to sin. He wants you to die to self so that you can live for him. How do you do that, Takanisa? You pray, Baba. You pray and you pray. Oopsie. <laughs> You've just been baptized and anointed. The communion Listen to what the Bible says. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Do you see how loved you are? Do you see how precious you are? Do you trust God enough in your life? Hey? Amazing. And I'll close with this. Jesus on the cross. He stands there. And he says, Father, what? Forgive them, for they don't know what they mean. He forgives those that are crucifying him. He forgives those that have betrayed him. He forgives the the Jews. He forgives all of us. And he says, come into my kingdom. Isn't that amazing? No matter how much you think you've let God down, no matter how far you've fallen, God will always love you. God will always restore you. God will always give you a hope and a future. Isn't that amazing? Father, thank you.
Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you love us. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to fail. Thank you that we can succeed. Thank you that we can win. Thank you that we can be victorious. But we do that through interceding and praying. We love you so much. Lord, thank you for this body, this wafer, a symbol of your body broken for us. And thank you for this wine, a symbol of your blood shed for us. We receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Back to you, my buddy.